right. Well, don't forget, guys, when we're done with service, got some great lunch plans today. Those of you guys that are new or visiting or just getting to know folks here, they'll give you some more time to connect with some more people, which will just important thing for us to get to know folks. Well, this morning I want to talk to you guys a little bit about kind of navigating your way through life. I think that's a common issue for, for all of us. How many of you guys have, have heard the, the phrase, life is a journey, right? I think that's a, that's a good phrase. I think it's a helpful phrase for some folks to realize uh, life is not just a moment. Life isn't just a snapshot of what's happening right now in your life. I can remember many times when we're counseling folks or just trying to help people get through a difficult season of their life is, is to try and let them back away, kind of wide-angle lens on their life a little bit and, and see more than just this moment. Because life isn't just a moment. It's, it's not just one relationship. It's not just one person. It's not just one aspect of what you've succeeded at or something that you've failed at. Life, life really is a journey. But question, if life is a journey, what's, what's helping you navigate your way through life, through uncharted territory? I mean, every day, tomorrow's uncharted for you, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be in your life. You don't know suddenly who's not going to be in your life. You don't know the physical conditions of your life, the mental conditions of your life. So it's uncharted territory tomorrow coming, and you're going to need some navigation to get through that. I was recently reading a book by a fellow named Michael Emlett called Crosstalk. He had a great thought in here. He says, we all have a conception of how the various aspects of our lives, you know, our self-identity, you know, who am I, what am I good at, what am I known for, our relationships with God and others, experiences, events, how they relate to, to one another and give meaning and purpose to life. We all have a, a grid, if you will for making sense of our experiences, a north star by which we navigate life. Listening to how people make sense of the details of their lives gives a sense of the overarching story that guides their daily experience. Right, so question, on this journey through life, your journey in through life, what, what's, what's kind of the north star for you? Right, do you guys remember navigationally what the North Star was? It was years and years ago. Folks were trying to explore the world. And, you know, you get out in the middle of the ocean or even if you're, you're just lost in a big f- field or, or forest, you need something outside of yourself. You need some reference point outside of yourself. So they began to use what was known as the North Star to guide them. It was the brightest star that they could see. And, it was, you know, Polaris, it's, it's over 400 light years away. So this is millions and millions and millions of miles away is something that people, if they used it, it could orient their life. They could find out something about where they are and where they're headed, right? Um, great thought here. How people make sense of the details of their lives. If you don't have a reference point, how... How do you make sense of the details of your life? How do you know whether something in your life is good, going in a great direction, this is going to end up wonderful, or whether it's declining and disastrous? How do you label stuff in your life? Events happen. You're standing at 
the curb in the street in front of you is your house, and you're watching it collapse to the ground. Dust is flying everywhere, rubble all over the place, loud crashing noises. Is, is that a good thing? But before you say no, what, what, if, what if you're tearing down your house to build your dream home? All of a sudden, watching your house crumble to the ground, that's not a bad thing, is it? You could actually be standing at the curb smiling over that, couldn't you? Let's suppose this morning you woke up and, and your body was just achy, stiff when you woke up. Is that a good thing? I mean, if you're, if you're coming down with the flu or you've got some strange disease, well, no, that, that's, that's not a good thing. But, but what, if, what if you had a great workout yesterday? What, what, if, what if you played in the Super Bowl yesterday? What if last night you won the heavyweight title fight? You woke up today and you're stiff and hurting. Is that a good thing? Yeah. That's a really cool thing, isn't it? What, what if you're watching your bank account, account and it's, it's been declining for four years in a row, just this steady decline of a bank account? Is that a good thing for you? Well, what if you're about to graduate from medical school and you've been putting yourself through med school all these years and you've had to pay for that, but you're about to start a career that's going to be very beneficial and very lucrative. Is, is it a good thing that you invested that way and it cost you? Yeah, that's a good thing. Right? So really, life is a matter of how you see it, how you perceive, where is this going? Right? What's this going to bring me to? It's another thought from Michael Imlet. He says, everybody has an overarching story he or she lives by, moment by moment. Everybody has a meaning marker with categories for making sense of life. Reality does not come to us unfiltered, but always through the lens of perception. Right? So when your reality comes to you, when life comes to you, you're going to filter it through some kind of a grid. You're going to interpret that event. You're going to orient your life and say, okay, this is bringing me in a good direction. This is bringing me in a bad direction. So how, how do you perceive your life right now? If I just ask you real quick, do a quick status update on your life. Do you, you in a good place? Maybe you're here and you're in your 20s, 30s or 40s. You're in your 50s. Maybe you're older, 60s and 70s. What's the status on your life? Is it, is it good? Is it, is it increasing? Is it declining? Are you concerned? Does it feel disastrous right now? Uh, how, about, how about your relationships? What kind of label would you put on them? Is your marriage good? Is it declining, disappointing to you right now? Your family? Your career? Are you in a good place right now? your career? I mean, I'm asking you to assess this. You, you do realize, how do you know if it's good? How do you know to call it good? How do you know if it's bad? Right? You, you've got to have some means of orienting your life. As a matter of fact, if you don't have any means of saying, I, I think this is headed here, and that's a good place to be. That's, that's a good destination, right? You're on this journey through life, and that's where I'm going. Well, listen, without knowing where you're going, you don't know how to label your life, do you? You can't sit here this morning and call something good or bad in your life without knowing where is this headed. 
All right, so question for us. Right, we're here in a church gathered around a relationship with God, and, and we want to discover from, from God's word, does the Bible have anything to say about sort of the ultimate destinations in life? Is, is there an ultimate destination for you, right? You're on this journey through life. You know, before you personalize or maybe over-personalize your journey through life, you're a human being amongst other human beings. Do human beings have an ultimate destination? Is there something that ultimately all of us are supposed to be sort of finding the same north star that kind of guides us through life? Or, or is it just wide open, whatever you determine? Well, we're going to find out in the Bible today that, that there is an ultimate north star that governs. It tells you and I where we are. It tells us whether we're headed in a good direction or not. It tells us how to interpret our life and our journey. Right? But if we're going to determine whether we're headed in a good direction, whether we're headed to the ultimate destination, and I think we need to understand something about what God has ultimately done. If you were to step back for a moment from God and say, what, what ultimate thing has God done that helps you understand something about who he is in your own life? Right? God's done lots of things. But what ultimate thing has God done that helps you understand something about who he is and who you are? Right? I think I'd boil down all that God has done to, to maybe two things. One would be creation. God created all things, and immediately there was a plan in place. And one other thing, what Jesus Christ did in coming to the earth. That doesn't mean God didn't do a bunch of other things that weren't significant. But let's just simplify for a moment. What do those two things tell you about ultimate destination in your life? What are, you, what are we supposed to be headed for? What was our life supposed to be about? And where are you on that journey? Are, are you lining up with, connecting with what God was trying to show us when he created us? And then ultimately what I want to fo focus on for a moment this morning. What Jesus Christ was doing in coming to the earth. That's the ultimate act of God, I believe, in all of creation, sending Jesus Christ to earth. Now, if you were to look in Scripture, and I put some Scriptures in your outline, I think they'll put some on the overhead here. These would be characteristic of many of the Scriptures in the Bible that explain to us what God was about in sending his Son. First Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world. Why did Jesus Christ come into the world? Well, right here, to save sinners. Luke chapter 19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So if I'm trying to understand this event, most of us know historically there's an event in the Bible, there's an event in history about Jesus Christ, this, this man who made amazing claims, came to earth, did some unusual things. But why was he here? Well, according to the Bible, he came to find that which was lost. He came to, to jump into a bunch of people's journey through life because they were lost. They were, they were off course. He came to save Sinners. All right, now these are big words. All right, you got people who are lost, and you got people who need to be saved. 
Right? These are not casual words. So immediately, I don't, know, I don't know where you've located religion in your own life. But sometimes religion gets kind of into the same category, sounds like for me, of, of sort of what a country club might be. You know, what are, what are country clubs? You know, a little community club in your neighborhood, got a tennis court, got a pool. Some of your neighbors belong to it, some of them don't. It's kind of this optional thing in life, right? They got country club people and they got non-country club people. Well, that's just not us. My family wasn't really in the country club, so we didn't do country clubs. So, you know, you, you got religion and you got people who are not into religion. You know, I'm kind of, some of us are into it, some of us are not. Like this optional thing exists. But, but if Jesus Christ didn't come to sign up members to play tennis, if he came to save people, then it sounds to me like people are in danger. If he came to find people that were lost, it sounds like the condition in our lives is that we're missing something. We're missing out on something. And, and maybe when we look at our lives, we'll find out that part of the reason why so much of our existence, so much of our relationships, so much of what we're doing seems broken and disappointing, doesn't fulfill us, leaves us trying to find some other thrill, some other relationship, some other goal, some other amount of money in our lives is because we're lost, because we're, we're kind of missing the point. But, but what great news in that God knew that and sent his son on a mission to seek those who were lost, to sort of get us back on track, to help us make sense, kind of to give us, install a sense of North Star, something that tells us where we are. Right, well, here's a great passage. Here's what Jesus Christ, I believe, ultimately was accomplishing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Apostle Paul says, all this is from God. And I'm going to come back later and capture what this all this is. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Be restored to God. Return to God. Come back to a relationship with God. What was Jesus Christ doing in coming to the earth? He's not just a religious figure. Listen, he's not just... He's not just a, a teacher of principles who came to the earth to share with people better ways of living, better ways of getting along, how you can have a better life, how you can get along with people better than you're doing right now, how to make the world a place, a place where peace is experienced. No, that, that's, that might be the byproduct of why Jesus came, but the reason why he came was to reconcile us to God. You have in this one passage, you have God's mission, and, and then you have our mission. Right? He came to reconcile us to God, and then he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. He came to announce that everybody who was lost could be restored to God. You could actually connect with God in the way that you were supposed to have connected with him. And I'm going to give you that mission as well. And you're going to now be ambassadors with the same message. Now, let, me, let, me, let me find you on your grid for a second here. Because if I, if I were to throw out this question, you know, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? 
you probably say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, let me ask you this then. Are you on Christ's mission? Would you be sitting in this room today saying, hey, that's a good description for me. I'm an ambassador for Christ. In this world, what preoccupies my life is taking this message that God wants to be reconciled to you. That's what I'm about. That's why I'm here. That governs and rules my life. I, I, I could say there's nothing more important to me than that. And I hope you'd be able to point to your life and actually find that, not just say, well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, of course that matters to me. But then you look at your life and, and we're busy with everything else but that. Our relationships don't reflect that because we don't connect people to God in our relationships. Our money doesn't reflect that because we spend our money on everything else but that mission. The way we use our time, yeah, we'd like to have more time for God. We'd like to have more time for God's purpose. But, you know, hey, we're busy. I'd like to. But is my life really declaring to me that I'm on the same mission that Christ was on? Because, listen, I don't think you should be comfortable answering those two questions differently. Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you on Christ's mission? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it or seem like it. Can I, can I disturb your world for a moment? If you answer that second question by saying, you know, I, I don't know that I can locate Christ's mission in my life. Or can I really, really ask you to reconsider whether you really have been reconciled to God? I know that's, that seems a little bit on the offensive edge in a world that thinks everybody's okay with God. But do you realize Jesus came to found people who were lost? They weren't okay with God. I don't know what it was like to walk up to somebody, you know, dressed in sandals and say, hey, are you lost? You know, no, I'm not lost. Well, I came to save those who were lost. Well, you're not looking for me, pal. No, no, Jesus came to find people who really were lost even though they didn't know they were lost. If you're looking at your life this morning and the mission of God doesn't inform your life, then you, you need to more carefully answer that first question. Have you been reconciled to God? See, the mission of Christ was to reconcile us to God, and then in being reconciled, what God's about would become what we're about. It would affect our world, and I'd find it on my calendar. I'd find it in my checkbook. I'd find it in my thoughts. I'd find it in how I relate to people if it was real, if it was true. Well, here's the, here's the one thing. If you want to understand the one thing about orienting your life for the rest of everything else, it's, it's that one phrase in verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. See, here, here's, here's the north star of humanity. What Jesus was doing, he was, he was coming to install the North Star in your life. He was coming to say, whatever it is, whatever stars you've chosen, right? When you and I are cruising through life, we've been raised a certain way, we're, we're suburban Americans, uh, we, had, we had a mother and a father in a home that raised us in middle class families, or we had a dysfunctional home, or there was divorce in our home, or I was raised by myself, and whatever it is that you went through life, it left you trying to find some star to orient your life around. It's like, that, that's what my life needs to be about. So I'm p- pointed at this thing, trying to get my life to make sense. I'm finding myself on the map. Where's my star? Where's my map? Okay, this is where I am in life's journey. But then God comes along and says, I want to install a new north star in your life. I want, I want a new GPS ability to be given to you. Right? You know, you turn on your GPS, 
a GPS has got to find you, right? Doesn't S and GPS stand for satellite? Am I remembering correctly? None of y'all know? <laughs> I think it stands for satellite, right? So, all right, so maybe we're not north star distance, but, but we've got something really, really far away from us that needs to tell us where we really are. Right, so you, you turn this thing on. Well, God wants to install sort of a new reference point for your life. That if you don't have the right reference point, if you don't have God as the north star of your life, well, then everything about our lives becomes sort of complicated, messy, and hard to know. Am I headed in the right direction? Right, North Star is here. My star is here. My star tells me go this way. North Star would say go this way. And step number one for God is, I, I want to bring you back to me, and then I want to send you out to live life. I want you trying to live life apart from me. I want to reconcile you to myself. Now, let me, let me move this towards, how does God do this in people's lives? What does this really look like when somebody gets a new north star in their life? If you're familiar at all, I don't think I put this passage in your outline with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a man who was on the move. He was up to stuff. He had his own star that was guiding him. And there was a lot of things in his life that he was glad that he had. He'd achieved some things. He had certain talents. People respected him a certain way. He made a name for himself. A lot of stuff that we would call important. But then he encounters Christ, and he gets restored to God. Now, it's important to remember, Paul was not always restored to God. There was a point in Paul's life where he had to hear the news, Paul, you're lost. And Paul was always a religious man. This is, I think, for our society, a little different than if we were somewhere else. We all consider ourselves religious people. We all have a belief in God. We've all kind of grown up going to church. Well, the Apostle Paul had all that. And yet he had to encounter the news at some point in his life, Paul, you're lost. You're not reconciled to me. And he encounters Christ and he is reconciled to God, and all of a sudden his whole world gets turned upside down. Paul, what do you call that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I used to call that good. Now it's worthless. What about that thing over there? Oh, that, that, was, that was big for me. Matter of fact, that was my whole life, and now uh, I don't even have time for that. Right, this is how Paul sounded in Philippians chapter 3. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Right, the things that used to be gain, when I was, when I was oriented around this star, this was gain. This was important for my, this was critical for my life. I might even kill you over having this in my life. But then I got reconciled to Christ, and the things that I thought were gain, all of a sudden, now they're worthless to me. Because over here, I've learned, that's value over here. It's wrecked my world. I'm a different person. My whole life is oriented differently. Now, let me, let me take us into the world of, of not just ultimate question here, but personal realities, right? Now, turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 12. You have a Bible with you. Luke chapter 12, this is, this is where Jesus kind of goes personal with his story of, in, of encountering people and discovering where they're headed, discovering what their navigational steering device is all about. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Now, you've got to get the context here. Jesus is, Jesus is ministering. He's teaching a big crowd of people. And so there's these great life principles that are flowing out of his mouth into their world. And while he's teaching, this guy interrupts Jesus. I don't know, he shouts out in the crowd. There's something eating at him so much so that he's going to disrupt the meeting and make it all about the issue for him. Right, how many of us recognize sometimes that's how we're in a meeting? Right? If you go to a small group in the church, sometimes no matter what that meeting's about, it just needs to be about what I'm about right now. Wait, can I ask a question? All right, that's who this guy is. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable. Saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. All right, This is a guy who's interpreting his life as I have arrived. I have reached my destination. What was his destination? I want want to have more than enough. Right? I'm going to build bigger barns. I had some barns, but, but I've got a bumper crop going on here. I've got a future. Kick back, relax. You don't need to worry about money anymore. You've got plenty of it now. What was this guy's star? It was his stuff. Right? He oriented his life around his stuff, and he's in a good place now. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich Toward God. Now, this guy had an ambition. He had a desire in his life to achieve things and to have things. That's what guided him. But, but his, his navigational system was very temporary-minded. It failed to realize your soul needs and wants something more than some temporary stuff. It needs eternal life. It needs a perspective beyond just this world. So here, Jesus does two things. He illustrates, don't put your hope, don't orient your life around that star over there. Because your life could be over like that. And then how much sense does that star make now? How well did it guide you through your life? You achieved, you got stuff, you got to take it easy. But then suddenly the moment you reached retirement age, you kicked over dead. And you lived your whole life for what? For that, that's what your whole life was about all these years. But Jesus does another thing here. He highlights something that I, I want to spend, spend my energy in this category. He highlights this whole story by having it flow out of a conflict between two people. All right, here are these guys. They're living their life. Let's call them Jack and Joe. All right, they're brothers. Jack and Joe have grown up together, they've done life together, they've spent time on the playground together, gone on campouts, they've lived together, they've, they've had rough times together, they've had good times together, 
but Jack and Joe have two different stars that guide their life. One of them is Jack's star, and the other one is Joe's star. And Jack's trying to get all of life to produce gain for Jack, and Joe is trying to get life to produce gain for Joe. And so, see, they're not oriented around the same thing. And at this moment, when you press their GPS system and it comes on, Jack goes for Jack, Joe goes for Joe, right? That's what their lives are oriented about. So one of these guys is the older brother who's in control of the finances, and maybe he's not divvying up the goods to the younger brother. And probably more likely it's the younger brother who's crying out and saying, Jesus, get my brother to, to give me the inheritance that's due me. Or, or maybe, maybe he's not so noble of a guy. Maybe he just wants more of a cut than he's supposed to get. He's trying to manipulate Jesus. At the end of the day, here's two guys that are at odds with each other, that's relationship is falling apart, that's conflict between them because their orientation in life is competing. One wants one thing and another wants another. Now, I find it interesting because this is where Jesus teaches in this section. This is what generates it. Let me just make a little side note here. You and I walk through life. Some of us have experienced this ourselves, or we know people who have had, had these experiences of what we'd call irresolvable conflicts, right? You know somebody like that? You've been in that spot? Irresolvable conflicts. Here's my definition. A condition that exists between people who don't share a common ultimate destination. Their life is oriented around different means of gain. Right, so we, we bring this into our relationships. Right? We're here this morning, careful what our lives are oriented about, what star is guiding us. We come into things like marriage that way. Right? In marriage, I can have my life oriented around Keith's star. I, I, want, I want gain from me. And so I, I find a person that I'm interested in, begin to pursue a relationship with them. I begin to define whether or not this relationship will be good for me in the long run whether or not this person is going to relate to me a certain way, whether or not they're going to provide for me a certain way. I want to get something from them. And then on the not-so-noble side, this is what's happening on the other side as well. Right? Two people are trying to find each other. They're trying to find out whether or not in the long run you're going to bring me to the destination that I want to arrive at. Are you good for my life's journey? you going to take me there or not? How many of you guys know it's, it's really hard how many of you have been married for like 10 or more years? Wow, okay. You know, you, people date for like six months and a year, and they try to answer that question. <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because if you've been married for 10 or more years, in certain ways you're looking at your spouse and you're going, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what you were capable of. <laughs> Listen, all the marriage counseling that we ever do is because somewhere later on the journey, you got surprised. <laughs> right? It's the difference between doing pre-marriage counseling and post-marriage counseling. Pre-marriage counseling, you're just ignorant, right? You just have no idea. It's kind of like you're signing on, you have blank check. Yeah, we're going to get married. Well, we want to prepare you for this, prepare you for that, prepare you for this. You know, it's, we might as well speak French when we meet in pre-marriage counseling. Nobody's got a concept for that. And we're trying to warn you. 
You know, we're trying to let you know that, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, uh, he'll be fatter. He'll be lazier than you ever could have imagined. Uh, she'll be moody. There's a thing called hormones. Beware. I mean, we're trying to prepare you for these days are coming. But at some point, what you thought was going to be a benefit to you, all of a sudden is a distraction. See, you, your goal in life is to get right there. And, and being yoked to this person is slowing you up, ain't it? I want life to make me happy. And, and you are in the way of that. I need to get right over there. That's what Ori, I'm going right there. That's my spot right there. And you are slowing me down. Or worse than that, you're not just slowing me down. If I'm going to stay with you, I got to go that way. I don't even know if I'll ever end up over there if I got to go that way. Right? That's, that's how people think about marriage. You can think the same way about any relationship, about having children, about having parents. Right? Your, your parents sometimes are in the way of your destination. You want to go here? They want you to go there. Relating to them means going there. It means slowing up. It means not arriving there. Welcome to the world of conflict. Where does conflict come from? It comes from two people who are oriented around two different things. They don't don't share a common north star. Their life is oriented around gain. What can I gain? And if that's really what is guiding you, there's going to come a day in your marriage when you realize, if I stay with this person, I can't arrive at my destination. And guess what you'll do that day? You'll give up hope. You'll give up on the relationship. Because you've gotten convinced that life needs to orient around your star. And that's what Jesus encounters when he talks to these two guys. Two guys in the crowd crying out, asking for Jesus to, hey, 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 make my brother orient around my star. Right, Jesus fixes that. If you keep reading, Luke chapter 12, immediately after Jesus encounters these guys, verse 22, he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Instead, instead, Jack and Joe, seek 
his kingdom. See, the reason why this parable gets told is because two individuals are in a conflict. And what's causing the conflict, what's, what's undergirding the conflict is that the two of them have lives that are oriented differently. Yet Jesus says here, Jack, Joe, I want, you, I want you to sign on for this deal. Seek first. Jack, seek first the kingdom of God. Joe, seek first the kingdom of God. See, how does, how does God bring restoration between two individuals? Not by one person getting their way at the expense of the other person, but by requiring both of them to abandon their positions and take up God's. Seek first his kingdom. Reorient your life. Press the North Star button. Don't you have an On Star button right, when you're in trouble? Press the North Star button in your life and reorient your life to where what's first and foremost in your life is the kingdom of God. And then, then you're in a totally different place. Okay, now my life is oriented around the North Star and I'm looking at the grid of my life and now I'm trying to interpret life. Is, is this going well for me? Is this a good thing in my life? Well, it depends if my star is over here my stars over here. Is your marriage doing well right now? Well, it depends, doesn't it? Did you get married because you thought marriage was about you personally? Primarily, the reason to be with another person is because you see something that they can provide for you. They can make your life feel a certain way. You like that sense of having a companion, not being alone. They provide something to you. You like the sense of reward that they bring to your life, that sense of wholeness and completion that comes with being married. What's going to happen when they fail to provide that? Or what's going to happen after five years when you, you want to go pro in that level? You know, you had this level of expectation. You know, if the guy just, the guy just gets a job, He's my husband, and I just love him, no matter what he does. And then five years later, you, you really would like him to have more than just a job. You'd like for him to provide differently in your life. You're fine. You know, you know he, doesn't, he doesn't say a whole lot. He's kind of quiet. You know, but I've kind of gotten used to that. This is pre-marriage counseling, by the way. But how many of you know 10 years from now, you're not going to be happy with that. Right? You're going to up the ante. You, you want this guy to turn pro. Right? And that guy that you married who was kind of quiet 10 years later, he's kind of quiet. <laughs> There's certain stuff that you just, you just can't twist it and fix it. You're trying. You've been doing a lot of twisting, but you can't get it to become what you want it to be because, see, you want a greater sense of something coming from him, and if you can't get it, what are you going to do? Well, Jesus didn't say seek first your star and your fulfillment. He said seek first the kingdom. So, Jack, Joe, here's the remedy to your issues. Understand why things exist. Things exist for God's kingdom. That's why they exist. Right? What's, what's the purpose for your money? Are y'all worried about money? Right? You get jazzed and freaked out about economic reports. You watch the Dow like, like it's some kind of a blood test. You know, what's going to happen in my life? Oh, the Dow was up. The Dow was down. Just determining, what, what, is, what exactly is it determining? How does money sit in your life? What's money supposed to be in your life? What's its purpose? Is it to help you arrive at your destination? Because if it is, wow, 
what an effect money up and down, having it, not having it, is going to have on your life. But what if money is about the kingdom of God? What if money exists in your life to be oriented around God? Well, you can feel really different now, can't you? Maybe God's designed your life to have X amount and not more for his glory and for his purpose in your life. Can you, can you just be at peace with that? Because whatever money you do have is about God. Marriage. Why does marriage exist? Well, marriage exists for the kingdom of God. We read in the Bible, marriage exists to show forth something about the glory of God, about how God loves, about how God relates to God. Right? That's the purpose. Right? So the destination in God for my marriage is to show forth God. This is where God wants my marriage headed. So what if... What if God's design is for my marriage to go through a season of suffering and self-denial, just like Christ went through, where Jesus Christ comes and offers himself for the benefit of others at his own cost? And God now says, I, I want that statement to be made in your marriage. And so see, my, I'm moving through a season of difficulty in my marriage. It's not very attractive to me. See, but I wanted my marriage to orient around being accepted by somebody, having happiness, things being easy, a two-household income. I, I wanted life to go this way. I wanted it to be attractive and beneficial for me. Jesus, tell my wife to start blah, 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 blah. I'm no different than Jack or Joe. Neither are you. If Jesus walked in, he could be teaching on whatever. You got marriage problems, you'd interrupt this meeting. You'd stand up and you'd say, Jesus, wait, wait. I know you're teaching some great stuff and raising people from the dead, but just a second, okay? Could you tell my husband to start blah, 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 right? And how would Jesus answer that? He, he might put you in touch with, you know, it, are, you, are you orienting your marriage around the kingdom of God and about God's purposes? Is that what your marriage is about? Is that what your family is about? Is that what your relationship with your children are about? Children, is that what your relationship with your parents are about? Because all these relationships are going to travel through a Jack and Joe period where you're going to call out for God to make that other person do what benefits you. That's what you're going to do. And God turns around and says, let me fix that. Uh, let me reorient your life. Let me press the North Star button. All right, so question here, and I'm going to move towards closing. Why is it that our relationships are, are filled with conflict? Do you have any conflict going on right now? Why? Why are, are we experiencing so much anger and frustration? And is that, is that what, what you're in touch with? I'm just angry and I'm, I'm frustrated. Why is there so much fear? and tension in our lives. Listen, might it be because we're, we're lost? Might it be because our navigational system needs to be recalibrated? We've got life trying to orient around our star, and we, we can't seem to get it to go that way. We're frustrated with people. We're angry with people. People have not done for us and in our lives what we wanted them to do. We want to quit on relationships. We want to get new ones. Right? What, what is it this morning that you're here that you, you must have? You've got to have 
What is that? Security? Peace? Thrills? Fun? Adventure? Relaxation? Air-conditioned environment? What? Success that rivals all my peers? Enough money that I have to worry about the future? Listen, all those things can become your stars that when you press life and you try and figure out, where am I at? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this conflict, this problem, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is the financial setback in my life a good thing or a bad thing? Is my house falling to the ground a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends on where you're trying to go, doesn't it? Well, here's, what, here's what God invites us to do. God invites you to a place to kind of on your life, an on star button, but it's really a north star button. God invites you to fix your life by, by pressing that button. See, that, that first button. Remember, this is the first button of relating to God. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That's what God was doing. Before, before you can, you know, be Jack and Joe, get your relationship right, Jesus steps in and says, listen, the problem in your relationship, it's not the two of you. It's that the kingdom of God's not first. It's that you've not been reconciled to God. It's that God isn't the dominant player in your world. And you have no hope of working out your relationship. You have no hope of fixing the issues in your life until you've pressed the button. And let me ask the, the band to come back up. So we get ready to close. Just listen, just for a second. What does it look like when somebody presses the button? Somebody takes up Jesus' offer and seeks first the kingdom, makes that the, the priority. Remember I'd read earlier from 2 Corinthians. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ was reconciling the world to himself. All this, all this, all what is from God? Listen. It says, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us, right? Not my own personal star, but the love of Christ controls us me. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. I've really, I've given up my life in recognition of God having given me his life, of having received such a love from God that my heart now is oriented toward God. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised that we would no longer live for ourselves. See, listen, if Jack and Joe have given up their own lives and they're no longer living for themselves, but they're living for him who died on their behalf, Jack and Joe no longer have a problem, do they? only reason why this conflict is irresolvable is because Jack and Joe won't reorient their lives. Listen, I'm just using this one example. I don't, I don't know exactly where everybody is here this morning. But, but here's a reality. 
you, you could meet Jesus on the street. He could be preaching this incredible message about truths that you needed to hear. And you're so eaten up by conflict and brokenness in your own life that you're going to interrupt with G- Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, tell this person to fix my life. And you might be here this morning thinking the biggest problem you have going on in your life is what somebody else has done to you. The way you've been treated, some relationship that you think you've got to get out of this relationship because it's messing my life up. Listen, God wants to grab that moment and get your attention like you're Jack or Joe and he wants to tell you this one thing. Listen, if you don't press this button right here, you're lost. And that relationship won't get fixed, neither will that one, neither will that need, neither will that opportunity, everything you're trying to go after until you press this button and come back to me. That's the mission that I was on. I didn't, I didn't just come to give you some cool advice about how to live a better life. I came to bring you back to God. Listen, in just a moment, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to walk forward here and pray. In essence, to press the button. And say, God, this morning, I, I want to be restored to you. I just feel distant from you. I don't feel like I know you the way I was supposed to know you. I don't feel like you're first in my life. If that's where you are, then probably it's the reason why so many other things are empty, broken, disappointing. First step, are you willing to press that button and say, God, you, I I want you, I want to be restored to you. Let's stand up together and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, thank you for your word, your wisdom about our lives. Lord, thank you for this gathering this morning. We're we're here living life. Lord, we're Jack and Joe. We're we're doing our things. Actually, some people may here actually be fighting over family inheritance. Some folks are fighting over marriage situations. Some are fighting over strained relationships between parents and children. Lord, whatever's brought us here, we've come asking one question and you're offering a different answer. And your answer has to do with us and you. Whether we've been reconciled to you, Lord, whether you are first in our lives, whether our life is oriented around what you had always desired our lives to be or whether or not we're fighting for what we have wanted our lives to be. God, this morning, thank you for the opportunity to press reset button on our lives, to be restored to you, to come out from being lost and to, Lord, to have the North Star, to have our map make sense, to be able to know why it is that these events have happened and where they're headed, God, and to see our life differently. God, thank you that this morning is an opportunity for some to come near to you and experience you in a way they never have before. Just a moment, the band's going to lead us in a song. And if you're here, and, and you sense God right now is kind of tapping on your heart, saying, hey, I, I, I want to bring you to me. I know there's a lot of stuff broken in your life. I, I know things aren't working. I know you're disappointed, but I'm not here just to fix your disappointments. I'm here to bring you to me. Do you want that? Do you want to come to me this morning? 
If you're here, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. Because quite honestly, if, you, if you're not ready to take up Jesus' mission, then I don't really know that you really want to be reconciled to him. Do you want to come press the button on your life and be reconciled to God? Come be restored to God this morning. Let, let him begin to orient your life around him and what he has for you. If you desire to do that, I want to ask you to come up forward. Pastor Peter, a couple other guys will come up and, and pray with you. Just a simple prayer that will open your heart to God in a fresh new way. If you feel like, I, I'm not where I wanted to be with God at this point. Hey, God set you up to be here this morning. However he got you here, it was God's invitation. Thank you. Anybody else want to come? Want to come up and receive prayer? wrestling with coming, you just come. Just, just come as God's dealing with you. If you come late, we won't, we won't give you a ticket. You don't need a note from the principal. Just come as God stirs your heart to come. But I need some folks to come pray with these guys. And if you would please ask them, how can I pray for you? What, what are you wanting God to do in your life? That's, that's the question they're going to ask you. Just going to begin to pray with you. And they may even lead you to pray. Maybe you need to say some things to God yourself. Respond to him. I would like to ask some of the men and women in the church, if you would come make sure these folks are being prayed for. If you feel the Lord is leading you to pray for anybody in particular up here, if you would come. Just go ahead. Just, just ask them, what can, I, what can I pray for you about? What do you, what do you need God to do in your life? God show you this morning. Thank you for thank you for finding us. Lord, I'm so grateful that we're not a people who've got to crawl our way to find the button to press it. Lord, you bring it to us. You find us in our lives and you introduce yourself to us. And Lord, that's what you're doing this morning. Lord, thank you for a moment where we can press the reset button, connect with you. Lord, I know there's many folks here this morning, just life feels like it's broken just feels like it's not working. It's full of difficulty and conflicts abound, frustration and anger and disappointment. God, this morning, would you capture our attention and make us to realize that that's, that's not the problem. The problem is you're trying to get life to be about you. God's desire is that it would be about him. Oh, Lord, this morning, set us free from ourselves, from the mess we make, 
in our own lives by making life about us rather than about you. Lord, open hearts, open lives as we close in this song. Lord, draw us near to yourself. Lord, meet each of these folks who are here praying and those perhaps who didn't come forward, but right now you're, you're connecting with them, God. You're meeting them where they are. Change our hearts. 
going to let these guys continue just to pray. Thank you for being a part of our service today. If, if you're visiting with us again, we're looking forward to getting some time to connect. There's lunch being served right now. It's hot and ready to go. So if you make your way right up the stairs to the second floor there, you'll see a line forming for some really good eats. Looking forward to seeing you guys upstairs. Thank you, guys.